circle, yes, we rotate 360 degrees, high, high, 360 degrees, high, high, 306, 306, 360 degrees, high, high, Welcome to Full Circle. Good evening, everyone. Um, this is your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. Broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. And this week on Full Circle, we will hear powerful legal and community testimony regarding two police departments here in Contra Costa County. First on tonight's show, we'll hear from two attorneys litigating the first serious test of California's new Racial Justice Act. Uh, The new California law is being litigated for the first time here in Contra Costa County. We'll also hear uh, sounds from the nine-year memorial for Petey Perez, who was killed by Richmond police in 2014. And, of course, uh, we're having the fun drive, so we'll also be asking for your support tonight for this remarkable radio station, KPFA. All that tonight on Full Circle. I'm your host tonight, Prebo and Franklin, coming to you live tonight from downtown Antioch, and this is Bay Miwok territory. So keep it locked right here to KPFA. Yeah, so keep it locked right here to KPFA. And yes, we are coordinating um, from the house to the station. And again, like I said, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show that's produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. My name is Freewell and Franklin, and I will be your host tonight. And as I said in the opening of the show tonight, we'll be featuring sounds from two important events here in Contra Costa County. First, I want to kick off the show tonight by featuring two exclusive interviews you won't hear in their entirety anywhere but here, KPFA. And uh, right now, there's a case going through the courts here in Contra Costa County. The case is a murder trial out of Antioch, California, and it's going to be the first serious test of California's new Racial Justice Act. And the California Racial Justice Act was first signed into law in 2020, then updated by the passage of AB 256 in 2022. And the Racial Justice Act is a law that lets people charged with or convicted of a crime raise issues of bias or discrimination based on race, ethnicity, or national origin in their cases. So it's a pretty big deal. And I've been attending the hearings And what's happening in the courtroom has actually never happened in a court hearing here in the United States. And experts have been called in to connect the racist text messages, memes, and behaviors by Antioch police to historical racism going back to the times of slavery and beyond. And now I'm going to get ready to go to two of the attorneys that are litigating this case. 
and their thoughts on the powerful, uh, the power and the impact of this historic testimony. And these interviews were held outside the courthouse just after the expert testimony of Professor Claire Jean Kim. And Claire Jean Kim is a professor of political science and Asian American studies. One of her publications is Dangerous Crossings, Race, Species, and Nature in a Multicultural Age. And her testimony was heard last Friday in a Martinez courtroom. Um, First up, you will hear Evan uh, Kulik, followed by Carmela Carmano, and they're being interviewed by Jody Hernandez of NBC Bay Area and Sandia Dirks of NPR. And just a trigger warning here, some of the descriptions by the attorneys reference the historical lynching of African American and other brutalities committed upon African American bodies. My name is Evan Kulik, E-V-A-N-K-U-L-U-K. I'm a deputy public defender with the Contra Costa County Alternate Defender Office. I'm the attorney for Eric Wyndham in this case. Okay, and tell us uh, why you think this is necessary to bring these experts, uh, you know, to question them. The testimony that was given today most likely has never been given in a criminal court ever in the history of our country. This is an incredible opportunity under the Racial Justice Act to bring this historical perspective to understand the scope, the breadth, the import of the racially biased language in this case. It carries centuries of trauma and violence against black individuals, and today's historical perspective really made that clear. And she went through, I mean, uh, text by text, and what, what, what that means. Oh. Yes, uh, Dr. Kim spent countless hours carefully going through the reports and the text messages, analyzing the language and seeing how the tropes, the language harken back to horrific uh, history of racism, slavery, lynchings. Uh, It is all connected and without this historical perspective, uh, we might have missed how deep the impact of this language was and how much it shows that these officers were ready, willing, and excited to inflict racialized violence on the black community of Antioch, and especially these defendants. You think this is important for the judge to hear before he, I mean, he's gonna ultimately have to decide a remedy. Yes, Judge Goldstein will have to determine uh, what is the appropriate remedy for the Racial Justice Act violation uh, and understanding the scope and the weight of the language, how the officers approached their investigation in this case, how they approached their interaction with these black suspects uh, who they premeditated extreme excessive violence. Uh, he, He needs to have that historical perspective to understand this is not these officers just coming up with slurs now. They're invoking extreme historical racism Uh, with a long, long history of anti-black violence in this country. And I thought it was interesting she made the point that this isn't just a few bad apples. Right. Uh, The the sheer number of officers on these texts showed that they were supporting each other, that they weren't afraid uh, to use that language amongst a large number of the officers within the department uh, to advertise their 
uh, plan to use violence, to um, share widely this historical uh, discriminatory extreme language, and then to gloat over the, the violence, the racialized violence that was used on these defendants and on many members of the black community. What is your guys' hope? What, what do you hope uh, the remedy and what do you think the remedy should be? We have asked Judge Goldstein to reduce all murder-related charges to manslaughter, to dismiss all enhancements, including gang enhancements and firearm enhancements, and to dismiss all special circumstances, which are the allegations that could result in life without possibility of parole if convicted. Okay, um, and but you have chosen not to ask him to dismiss the case. The Racial Justice Act is still new. As, as of this point, there is not uh, authority that we could find that could establish a right to a complete dismissal. Uh, that may be something that's litigated in the future, but Go Judge Goldstein indicated out the gate that there was no chance he would even consider dismissal, so we're just not making that argument. Okay, so this is really groundbreaking. I mean, this is historic. This is groundbreaking and historic. The type of information that we've been able to present through our expert witnesses is uh, not something that has been traditionally allowed to be brought into criminal courts. Uh, criminal defendants who have encountered racism in policing have just simply not been able to uh, express it this way, to prove it this way, and to uh, show the courts the connection with historical racism, with lynching, with slavery that is a through line to the anti-black violence of policing today. Oh, go ahead. I just wanted, I've been to civil cases where it's the same thing, where it's, you know, civil rights violations. I've been to criminal cases. I've never seen anything like this, like the history, like the social, like uh, so the social science of racism. What is it like for you to witness something that's sort of basically unprecedented? It, it's so powerful as an advocate, as an attorney, to be able to hear this type of evidence being presented in court in a way that maybe has never been done before. Um, the Racial Justice Act is this incredibly powerful new tool that we're still learning uh, how it can best be used. Uh, but the fact that it has opened up the ability of folks who have experienced racial bias in their cases to bring that out into the light is incredible, is powerful, and it's revolutionary. And your name? Carmela Caramagno, C-A-R-M-E-L-A, Caramagno, C-A-R-A-M-A-G-N-O. And Carmela, you are? I am the attorney for Terry on Pew. Okay. Carmela, Carmela tell us what you, uh, you thought of this testimony. Very powerful. Very powerful. She is absolutely brilliant. She pulls from many uh, disciplines and pulls it together and was able to express it in a way that I have never heard expressed in a court of law. It still sends chills down my spine uh, just even thinking about how powerful her testimony was today. How important is this for the judge in your mind, uh, for the judge to hear this testimony and this the, the, the historical significance, meaning of so prior to the Racial Justice Act, uh, we have not been able to root out racism, especially not from the law, because there are so many legal barriers to presenting uh, the history of racism and how it's impacted. I think her testimony today about the violence and how this kind of racial bias persists in the justification of violence against black persons was incredibly powerful and essential for the court to consider 
in reaching a remedy because you'll have to remember that the purpose behind the Racial Justice Act um, goes beyond any individual case. You can't root out racism if you limit your remedy to a particular case. The purpose of the Racial Justice Act is twofold, to provide fairness and justice and equality to a particular defendant, but also to root out and eliminate those disparities and injustices that have existed in the judicial system in this country. She uh, talked about uh, one of the things that stood out to me was these these pictures, these trophy pictures. Right. Talk about that and how that really was, that's been done since... Well, I think it was so important to educate the court. I, many of us had no knowledge of the history relating to uh, the photographs or the postcards that people would send following lynchings and also, you know, the connection between lynching and emasculating and castrating African-American men and how important that connection to that sort of sexualization has been in trying to you know, make the inferiority of African-Americans. So I, this was incredibly powerful testimony uh, and she made connections that otherwise the court may not have known of because in the past, nobody would have been allowed to present that type of evidence. Again, talk about the, the trophy pictures, the pictures that, that these uh, officers shared with each other. So uh, the, trophy, the, the trophy pictures the in this defendants. case were of Trent Allen and Terry on Pew. Uh, the text messaging that I read talked about the planning of shooting them before they ever arrested them, the actual shooting of them of non-lethal bullets, and then in the hospital of Bearing their bodies, for Trent Allen it was his chest, and for Terry on Pew it was his buttocks, to gloat over the injuries that they had inflicted on these men. And then they shared those photographs with friends and other officers uh, to gloat over the violence that they had justifiably, in, in their minds, inflicted on our clients. And that is one of the points that was so important for her to make. And she tied it all together with the most obscene um, dehumanization and denigration of black men as reflected in the murder of George Floyd, where they, you know, superimposed uh, a film star who has since been deceased naked with his genitals there to show the complete worthlessness in their minds of African Americans. And she tied it all together in a way that has never been tied together before as far as I know in a court addressing racial bias. And the sharing of photos, I mean this has been, this was done back in the days of lynching. Right. She connected that all together. She said there would be professional photographers who would show up. They would take the photographs. They would sell the photographs at the lynching. And she said many of the lynchings, if not most of them, involved castration of the, of the men. And then they would actually turn those photographs into postcards and send those postcards to their friends as if to say, oh, wish you could have been here because it was such a wonderful event these officers then sharing these photos in much the same way. Right. The, the, you know, these officers could give a historical, they could teach a class on uh, the racial denigration and dehumanization of Africans Americans because they seem to have been well versed in just about every trope and uh, 
offensive term and image you could lodge against them. What do you hope the this uh, you know what do you hope the judge decides at the end of the day? Well, what Mr. Kulik said, um, I hope that the judge dismisses all of the enhancements and special circumstances and reduces the charges because two things are important. One, yes, the individual case is important, but this goes beyond an individual case. This is not about an individual case. This is about violence, which has been inflicted on the Antioch community for however long it's been inflicted. And the only way we're going to make change is to make significant impact. You cannot push this under the carpet. You can't say it's just a few bad apples. You've got to take decisive action if we're ever going to change the extreme violence that's inflicted against the members of the community. So the judge needs to do something that really reflects the change, both in the judicial system and for the people of the community. Because when you, when you inflict violence against an individual, you hurt everyone. You know, we need a judicial system that is fair and equitable for all. Otherwise, it's not fair and equitable for anyone. And so what happened with that? You know, you subpoenaed the Antioch Police Department. I subpoenaed their uh, policies and procedures manual because it's important to show that none of these officers were complying with the supposed policies and procedures that the Antioch Police Department put out on its website. So they were not even close to operating within the public image they were trying to portray. So, and nobody from the Antioch Police Department showed up you also to honor that their, subpoena. You subpoenaed any internal complaints no, of yeah, racism that. against officers, which is something that's not covered under SB 1421, and therefore is sort of a black box that we're not allowed to look at. Um, can you just talk a little bit? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. What are you asking for? What, what else are you asking well, for? Well, I wanted to see if any of these officers who were involved in these texting threads ever lodged a complaint in compliance with their policies and procedures. So if, if any of them complied, I want to have evidence of it. And so far, we have no evidence of any of the officers complying with many. There are many provisions in the stated policies and procedures that supposedly are designed to ensure equality for all. And from those text messaging, we see that none of those were complied with. They, in fact, they were all violated. And so what I wanted was any proof they had that any one of these officers filed a complaint against the other officers for their misconduct. Nobody showed up to provide those requested documents. One of the things I wanted to ask you is sort of, I know we were talking about how unprecedented this is, right? Because you don't, you don't get to talk about history in a courtroom. That's right. And you don't get to talk about systemic racism in a courtroom. So what does it mean to actually have a witness be able to testify to systemic racism in policing in a, in a criminal courtroom? I've just never heard it before. Yes, and you can I've, continue to let yes. them in. Speak from my own experience um, in working with Dr. Kim and other experts that I've been working with throughout the country during this process, I think it's transformative. I think when you hear the truth, you know the truth. And when you give expression to it, when you give voice to the, the truth, it changes us. I, I can tell you that I will never be the same after having worked with these experts and really understood how deeply rooted, systemic, and 
the racism has been at all levels of the justice system. So I'm hoping that for community members and courts, judges, and others who experience this type of collective wisdom and knowledge, that it is transformative for them as well. And then when we transform the individuals, we can change the system. And so that's how I expert- think it will work. All right. Welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM, KPFA and KPFA.org. We are part of the Pacifica Radio Network. I am your host tonight, Free Will and Franklin. And you just heard some powerful interviews. That was attorney Carmela Caramagno and Evan Kulik. Both are attorneys here in Contra Costa County, and they are both working a potential murder case and have been bringing in expert testimony in uh, the California Racial Justice Act hearing. Um, They're being interviewed, um, as you heard, by Jody Hernandez of NBC Bay Area and Sandia Dirks of NPR. Great job by those two. And those two interviews, I could pretty much guarantee you that you will not hear them in their entirety anywhere but here on KPFA. And you may have heard some clips of those on some Bay Area news stations recently, but they would not play the entire interview. And I have more to say about the California Racial Justice Act and more audio to play, but I need to take a moment to urge you all to make a donation to this station tonight, KPFA, um, the place that taught me how to do radio and got me into um, bringing you audio like this. And if you appreciate the news, the music, and the stories you hear on KPFA, and especially this show, Full Circle, please take a moment to make a financial contribution to this important media outlet tonight, KPFA. And um, just head over to kpfa.org and click on that Donate tab. And there you can see all the items we have to choose from as thank you gifts Uh, That's kpfa.org. And, of course, we still do the telephone. If you would like to call and make a donation, you can do that by calling 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. And um, real quick, some things we have done on Full Circle. Um, We have uh, covered the press conference by the family of Sean Monterosa regarding the rehiring of Officer Ton, the Vallejo police officer that killed their son, firing through the windshield of a moving police vehicle as Sean knelt with his hands up. We've provided drumbeat coverage of the Antioch police text message scandal, including coverage of the Racial Justice Act hearing as well as live streaming press conferences, as in the Monterosa case, and community organized rally on the First Voice Media Facebook page. So sometimes the what you're hearing has a video to it. Not those two interviews, unfortunately, um, but the Monterosa press conference. Head over to First Voice Media and check that out sometime. And personally, my record goes back about 15 plus years here at KPFA. I've covered everything from drones and protest at drone military bases to drone operator post-traumatic stress, to police killings here in Antioch, California, Oakland, Richmond, Vallejo, all across the country. 
and I've covered environmental issues, uh, focusing especially on tribal communities, fighting open pit mining pipelines. I even traveled to Standing Rock as part of a KPFA delegation to report for two weeks from the front lines of the Standing Rock protest camp and um, on their uh, missions. Uh, we traveled to the U.S.-Mexico border and reported on the United Nations hearing on the border atrocities as guests of the Tohono O'odham tribe. Again, if this is important coverage to you, head over to kpfa.org, click on that donate tab, and check out those thank you gifts there. That's kpfa.org. And um, again, the phone, if you'd like to make a phone-in donation, you can do that by going to one 800 439-5732 that's 1-800-HEY-KPFA and a big shout out to all of you that have donated so far thank you very much we appreciate that and I'm going to move on with the show now um, let me take you back to the Racial Justice Act now as part of the community organization Reimagine Antioch I went out to and helped organize um, an action at the Racial Justice Act hearing. And we were going to hear from affected family members and victims of these racist, biased police officers here in Antioch. And what happened at our event, which I will describe in a moment, is a symptom of these uh, biased and corrupt policing practices. And as we were there to try and hold the police accountable and hear from some of these survivors, Another family came into our space and demanded that we take note of their son, Arnold Marcel Hawkins. He was the young man who was killed in this murder trial that we have been talking about. His family was very upset that the four men accused of their son, their nephew, their family member's murder may get less time or less serious charges due to the racial bias of these arresting and investigating officers. In fact, they were so upset that a fight almost started between our groups. And here we are, both victims of the same corrupt officers just here on different sides of the story. And again, these racist and biased officers have caused great harm to our community as some of these folks who may be accused of some various series, very serious crimes may be um, released back onto our streets without paying any consequences or maybe not having such a severe penalty to, um, in some cases, um, murder. Um, so I want to hear from a couple more attorneys that were present on September 15th after the, I would call a melee happened as these two attorneys describe what they are learning from this case and the California Racial Justice Act and how it has impacted families on both sides of this court case. First, we're going to hear from um, Ben Nessenbaum. He's the attorney um, out of the offices of John Burris. And after that, we'll hear from Adante Pointer. And we'll be right back here on KPFA. Thank you. Sorry, guys. Uh, I just want to say what we just saw is actually one of the symptoms of what happens when police run amok in the community. Yeah. Yes. When police take the law into their own hand, when police act like racists, when they talk about how they violate people's rights, when they actually do it, when they talk about how they falsify confessions, and we know they do that, yes. I've won cases on that, I've won trials on that. Well, what happens? People who have actually committed crimes, potentially, they get released. The police victimize more people. 
That is collateral damage from police violence, from police misconduct, and racist policing. And the community should not stand for it, nor should the police department. The fellow officers, the 46 some odd officers who were all involved in these text chains, not a single one of them stepped up to the plate to say this is a problem. Not one of them. That's a disgrace. Yes, it is. That tells you all you need to know about the Antioch Police Department. When Angelo Quinto first died, the Antioch Police Department pretended that they used no force. They didn't even report the death initially. And of course, that turned out not to be true. Angelo Quinto died under the full weight restraint of several Antioch Police Department officers. And then the FBI got a hold of these text messages and it all blew up. And now we know what's been going on behind the scenes. But I have to ask the question, how many other departments does this happen at? Where they have rings of people, rings of officers involved in text messages, where they're talking honestly to each other about the violations that they commit and the way they really feel about the people the police, that they police. I bet you if the FBI got a hold of, of their text messages, you'd find that in many other departments. I doubt that Antioch is unique in that, in that, in that regard. And so, obviously, we have two lawsuits that have been filed uh, with respect to victims of this group, this large group of Antioch Police Department officers. That's separate than the Angelo Quinto case. Angelo Quinto case is moving on. We're in summary judgment uh, filings as we speak. We just filed a cross motion for summary judgment. This case, though, uh, has the potential to drastically transform the Antioch Police Department, and that is what we are seeking. Reform happens one department at a time, and it's going to happen here in Antioch, and it will happen elsewhere, too. But we need to stop the bias, stop the racism, stop the cheating and lying by police, falsifying confessions and bragging about it. And nobody steps to the plate. So somebody please grow some courage in the police department. At least let, let your supervisors know what happened. Thank you. Up next, we'll hear from attorney uh, Dante Pointer. Thank you for having me. Uh, more importantly, thank you to the community for coming out. We have to have a united front. And as I look around the crowd and the people that are gathered around here, it's clear that we have a united front. Because, and truly, we have almost a united nations, if you will, united uh, in terms of fighting the scourge of racism, of, of celebrating violence, of being entertained by punishing our community by the very people who are charged to uphold the rules and the laws, those that we're supposed to be able to rely on to protect us are the very people who are abusing us. Uh, as I mentioned and was said, my name is Dante Pointer, Lawyers for the People. And what we know is this scourge or what I like to think of as a cancer. When you have a cancer, you cut it out, right? Yes. When you have a cancer, you have to, you have to uh, contain it so that it doesn't spread, right? And so what we've seen is the ripple effect of what's happening in Antioch, of all the abuse and the manner in which these people go to work intent, looking for opportunities to beat and abuse people, to frame people. It creates a perverted sense of justice, like we've seen here at this very courthouse. 
right? Where you have the community divided because one side has been abused by the police and the other side has been abused too. But yet they're pitting us against one another. And so, when you, as I mentioned, when you have a cancer, it spreads. And so, what's the city right next to Antioch? Right? Are we naive enough to think that those officers who work side by side with each other haven't, don't necessarily share those same views? No. That they're also not text messaging each other? Right. Celebrating their trophies right. of, of like as if they're bounty hunters, as if there's hunters in the wild, as if they're a gang. And they're celebrating what they've done in terms of sharing pictures, sharing text messages, talking about the people they've abused. Well, fortunately, we have people who are in the community that although they were abused, although they were violated, they're here to tell their stories. Because we know, and I'm surrounded by people whose loved ones are not here to tell their stories themselves because they unfortunately passed away at the hands of the abuse yes. of these officers. Yes. Those officers should be in this building right behind us yes. facing their day in court yes. versus getting paid vacations. Thank you. Or even bail on a federal indictment. Mm. Because we know when in our community, people who have much less charges are often not even afforded an opportunity to go home to their family after being accused of something on a much thick, thinner case than these officers. But beside me is a man who was shot and came this close to losing his own life by way of one of these federally indicted, corrupt police officers out of the city of Pittsburgh. And it's on camera. It's on video. And like many of our loved ones, he managed to make it out of that abuse only to be abused by the very criminal justice system on the back end who then wants to punish him to cover up what these officers did to him. Mr. Porter was shot by one of these corrupt officers and then they lied to cover it up. We have a lawsuit of which we'll be filing so that we can expose these officers for the truth of what it is, which is they were glorifying an intent on inflicting punishment and committing murder. Come on. <laughs> and then on the back end of that, they glorified it amongst themselves, celebrated what they did, and then further dehumanized him by the way in which they treated him and his family. We're not gonna stand for that. We're just not gonna stand for that. And so I will just conclude and finish up by saying, once again, we have to cut the cancer out of the community before it spreads even further. We have other people that my firm represents, you know, that also have been abused. And I'm just happy that not only my firm, the Burris firm, Ben, who's a good friend of mine, Ty Clark of my office, all the people in the community, in the community-based organizations, we're united. You're not gonna divide us. You're just not, it's not gonna happen. You're not gonna pit us against one another when we know who the true enemy is. We stand on the right side of justice while those federally corrupted, indicted criminals who have been administering perverted justice in our community. We're gonna be vigilant until you are eradicated. Thank you. All right, again, welcome to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA and kpfa.org. We are part of the Pacifica Radio Network and you just heard some more powerful um, testimony um, from civil rights attorneys at Dante Pointer, you just heard, and before him, Ben Nessenbaum. Both of these attorneys have taken on cases stemming from the Antioch police text message scandal, as well as the neighboring 
city of Pittsburgh who's caught up in the FBI and DOJ investigation with um, FBI um, about 30 days ago or so raiding the homes of Antioch and Pittsburgh police officers. Again, these um, two interviews, they were speaking outside of the AF Bray Courthouse in Martinez, California on September 15th after a sort of melee broke out between families uh, between the families of four men on trial for murder and the family of the victim. And the Racial Justice Act is being applied to this murder case, and if the four men are found guilty, the judge will have to determine what he will do to quote-unquote remedy the racial bias by the arresting and investigating officers. And we are going to stay on top of this historic case and continue to bring you more information as it develops Attorney Carmela Carmano is bringing in one more expert to testify. Then the judge will be offering his remedies. So keep an eye out for that. And remember when you're uh, hearing this tonight on KPFA radio, we're bringing you historical important information regarding California's new law, the racial justice act. And don't forget here on Full Circle, we're doing more than just broadcasting to you all on the radio. Be sure to head over to First Voice Media Facebook page and check out the dozens of live stream videos that were made during press conferences, community protests, and outside of the courtroom, um, such as you're hearing right now with the Racial Justice Act. That is on video. And... If you go there now, you'll see videos just from last Saturday, the event of the Perez family honoring their son, Petey. And during that video, I interviewed the mayor of Richmond, Eduardo Martinez, and he shared his heartfelt thoughts on what happened with the killing of Petey Perez and why it was important to apologize. And you heard that. um, You're going to hear that in a clip I'm going to play in just a minute. And just head over to First Voice Media on Facebook and check out the entire interview um, that we've uh, put there. And we've been streaming and doing multimedia since 2009 here on Full Circle. So again, if you'd like to make a donation to KPFA tonight and support this work that you're hearing, you know, I personally headed out to all these court hearings to record these interviews and to record videos and bring you them in their entirety so you have you know more context so you can hear it so again if you'd like to make a donation tonight and support that work and let me know that i'm doing okay you know by you all the the listeners and the supporters of kpfa head over to kpfa.org and make a donation there by uh clicking on that donate tab and again you could browse through any thank you gifts you want or you can make what they call a pure donation um, just by donating and not asking for a thank you gift that's kpfa.org hit the donate tab again if you're using the phone you can call 1-800-439-5732 and you can remember that throughout this hour 1-800-HEY-KPFA And um, shout out to some folks from Antioch, Anonymous from Antioch. Shout out to my mom, always donating, and uh, Anonymous from Berkeley, Hayward. Thank you all so much. We're doing doing good so far. Let's keep it up. Our goal is 1,000 for our hour, 
and right now we're at 225 so we need $800 in the next 20 minutes and I still got a lot of audio to play so if you can make that donation but right now let me get into um, this last segment here for tonight and last Saturday the family of PD Perez gathered for the ninth annual memorial honoring their son who was killed by a Richmond police officer Wallace Jensen I believe it was in 2014 um, I was out there representing First Voice Media. I was out there um, last year, and I I kind of slapped together this report, um, but I think it gets the message out, and I appreciate everyone that contributed. Um, go ahead, Mickey. Let's play that report. This past Saturday, family, community, city officials, and Richmond police came together to honor the memory and the life of Richard Petey Perez III. The family of Petey Perez organized the annual gathering as they have every year since their son Petey was killed by Richmond police officer Wallace Jensen in 2014. Uncle Sam's Liquor Store on Cutting Boulevard in Richmond is the annual gathering place. Nearly 100 people showed up to honor Petey and support the family in the very place that Petey was killed nine years ago. This is Petey's mother, Julie Perez, speaking from the stage, which was a flatbed truck parked on Cutting Boulevard outside Uncle Sam's liquor store. Here she expresses her gratitude to the local community for always supporting the family and their fight for justice and remembering Petey. The first group of people I need to thank are the local community members that have come out for nine years now supporting these memorials for Petey. We call it Remembering Petey, but it's about the community and coming together to break bread and enjoy each other's company and socialize because that's what Petey would have wanted. She also expressed her gratitude to the owner of Uncle Sam's liquor store, Ali Saleh, and shared why it's important to hold this annual gathering in this very spot. This is where Petey communed with people. This is where Petey was, and, and this we really appreciate him letting us do this here. So thank, thank you, Ali. Taking the stage after Petey's mother was the mayor of Richmond, Eduardo Martinez. Their mayor spoke of healing and reconciliation as he declared September 14th a day to remember and honor the life of Petey Perez. Now, therefore, I, Mayor Eduardo Martinez, on behalf of the city of Richmond, hereby declare September the 14th, 2023, as a day of remembrance for Richard Petey Perez III. On this day, we stand united in remembrance, reconciliation, and a collective commitment to ensuring that the lessons from the tragic loss of Richard Petey Perez III is fully utilized in preventing such incidences in the future. I caught up to the mayor after he left the stage to get his thoughts on healing and reconciling and why apologizing is important. I think anytime injustice is done, apologies are essential. Uh, apologies are part of the healing process. Without apologies, there is no healing. So um, uh, this is an injury that will heal forever. And uh, we heal it by gathering together and celebrating the person that Kitty uh, Perez is. I also asked him to elaborate on his thoughts about the Richmond Police Department incorporating Petey's story into their training on how to de-escalate and defuse a situation. 
And I wanted to make sure that the training wasn't just training, but an acknowledgement of, of why uh, compassion, why empathy, why de-escalation is essential in police training. You know, when, when you're a citizen, you're in a weaker position. You really have no sanction authority. And so because of that power imbalance, the police have an extra responsibility to de-escalate, to make you feel safe. I spoke with the mother of Petey Perez today to get her thoughts on the mayor's proclamation and how important she felt it was that the mayor offer these words of healing and reconciliation from the city. I, I was very satisfied with it. It was very heartfelt and um, definitely helps put a bandage on things. So I appreciate them kind of backtracking and trying to make amends for what should have been recognized back in the day. She also elaborated on why it's important to keep this memorial for her son here at the location where he was killed. And it is very important because that's why Petey was out there that night. That's where he had a connection to the community. He was not technically from Richmond. He was from Pinole. His connection was the store. It was like an extension of his own backyard because of our business around there. And he was very proud of the friendships that he had made around there because he technically did not grow up in Richmond. He wasn't part of the neighborhood, and yet he was accepted like he was one of them. So that's why it's important that we include the community that surrounds Uncle Sam's. That's why we choose to have it there. Petey wouldn't have wanted to be remembered in some park for a bunch of people that really didn't know him. He, he, that store was his connection. Since the death of their son, Petey, the family has worked tirelessly for the community as they sought justice for themselves. They advocated for AB 1506, Officer Involved Shooting Investigations Review, which requires a California Department of Justice investigation to all incidences of an officer-involved shooting resulting in the death of an unarmed civilian in the state. Also, SB 1421, Legislation on Peace Officers' Release of Records, to allow public access to police misconduct records. AB 392, the California Act to Save Lives, making clear that police officers should only use deadly force when necessary. SB 2, Legislation for Police Decertification Act, which allows for suspension or revocation for the police officer's certification based on serious misconduct and a city ordinance in the city of Richmond creating a community police review commission to foster increased accountability, improve police community relations, and promote transparency within the city of Richmond. Additionally, the family is excited to announce an upcoming project aimed at memorializing Petey in the form of a pair of city-owned concrete trash cans that will be artistically adorned with Petey's name and likeness by renowned artists John Toki and John Sances. These specially designed installations will be placed at 3322 Cutting Boulevard outside Uncle Sam's Liquors, the site of Petey's killing. For KPFA and Pacifica Radio, this is Frank Sterling reporting from First Voice Media. Hey, that's me. How y'all doing? Welcome back. You're listening to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA. 
and kpfa.org, part of the Pacifica Radio Network. If you didn't know that, we're five stations in the network. And I'm broadcasting live from my house right now through KPFA in Berkeley. And you just heard, uh, I guess, kind of a, a news feature that I did about the ninth annual mo- memorial uh, for Petey Perez held on um, Cutting Boulevard in front of Uncle Sam's Liquor last Saturday afternoon and evening. And shout out to the Perez family. Um, thanks for inviting me. I'm glad I got to do that. And that is on video on First Voice Media. A lot of the interview with the mayor I didn't play. The interview was about 10 minutes. So head over to First Voice Media on Facebook later and check out that interview. And I also got um, more from Petey's mom on the stage as she acknowledged um, people that you know made a difference in her life and helped her out. Um, dealing with the tragic loss of her only son, Petey, and um, how this community help and her friends and um, the love um, helped her make it through it. So again, shout out to the Perez family and all the families um, that trust us here at KPFA with um, your stories and to help get your side out there. Again, um, shout out to all of you. Um, Real quick reminder We are raising funds for KPFA tonight. The station that does play your stories, our stories, and um, not just sound bites, but more in-depth interviews, more in-depth content. And um, I personally have been working hard trying to stay on top of what's been happening with the Antioch Pittsburgh Police, the Racial Justice Act, as you heard earlier, um, regularly, sometimes twice a week, heading out to Martinez Um, for court uh, to sit and listen to the testimony being given. And there's been no uh, recording devices or cameras allowed in that courtroom. So those that go are hearing um, this testimony and taking note. Again, um, if you can make a donation to this wonderful radio station that does this for us, um, KPFA, the Pacifica Radio Network, head on over to kpfa.org, click on that donate tab and make a financial contribution to this station. And if possible, I would like you to consider becoming a monthly sustainer. I am a monthly sustainer. I put in 10 bucks a month. Um, You could do whatever you feel comfortable with. Um, When I think about some of the other bills I pay for my Comcast or for watching sports, um, 10 bucks doesn't seem like enough. But right now I'm doing 10 bucks and I do um, donate regularly um, extra during the fund drive. So if you can be a sustainer, um, we're trying to get, I believe it's 200 new sustainers during this fund drive. And I think right now we are at 81. Uh, maybe someone can become a sustaining member for me tonight for Full Circle and uh, let let the management there know uh, that we are doing our contribution, our job to help keep this station going. I, as many of you know, am considered unpaid staff. I do this as a volunteer and um, you know, it's also, I feel like it's a contribution to my community um, where I live, especially here in Antioch is some of you may know listening. I cover a lot of Antioch stories. That's where I live and that's where it's easiest for me to walk out the door with a recorder. 
Um, but as I mentioned earlier, uh, many of you know that I traveled to Standing Rock and I helped produce flashpoints for a whole week from Standing Rock where we would go out in the morning on their actions when they shut down a bank in, in uh, North Dakota. They went to the Veterans Memorial and we would gather sound in the morning and then rush back to where there was Wi-Fi and upload a show and get it back um, to Berkeley to be broadcast on Flashpoints um, for a whole week. And then I stayed another week on my own to gather my own sounds. Um, and I actually had to sleep in a unfinished yurt and almost froze to death. I thought I was so cold. Anyways, um, that's an example of <laughs> the stuff I go through to bring you these kind of sounds. Anyways, uh, that's my joke. But yes, I was in an unfinished year. Um, the number to call if you'd like to call on the phone and make a donation, 1-800-439-5732. You can remember that by remembering 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Or, of course, the easiest and best way for us is to donate at KPFA. Dot O-R-G. And I'm going to give you all a moment to do that. Miss um, M back at the station, if you can get uh, Joy's public service announcement, I want to play that again to do our job for the community. And I'm looking at the count on the, um, the monthly sustainers and it's still at 81. Maybe someone before the end of this PSA, which is only about two minutes, um, can make that count go up to 82. Um, at kpfa.org. Click on that donate tab. Um, we'll be right back here on Full Circle. Miss M, let's hit that uh, PSA and we'll see you in just a couple minutes. Hello, this is Joy Moore, graduate apprentice of the First Voice Media Project. I want to announce an exciting upcoming event at Pie Ranch on Highway 1 in Pescadero. It's a joy jam at Pie Ranch. Joy Jam is a celebration of solidarity for the future of food. Saturday, September 23rd, 3 to 8 p.m. Pie Ranch and Food Culture Collective are joining together to bring you Joy Jam, a celebration of solidarity for the future of food. Joy Jam is an effervescent and soulful opportunity to cultivate community and strengthen connections while sharing foods, story, and love of place. The festival encompasses an abundance of cultural expressions, including live storytelling, local artist activations, pop-up food and culinary experiences, immersive installations for collective visioning, poetry, and other creative projects, live music, walking the land while hearing stories of soils, seeds, crops, and animals, dancing, and of course, some pie while enjoying life. That's Saturday, September 23rd, 3 to 8 p.m. For more information, go to www.pieranch.org slash joy dash jam or call 650-262-1220. Again, that's www dot pyranch dot org slash joy dash jam or call six five zero two six two one two two zero. Hope to see you all there. This has been Joy Moore for Full Circle.
right. Welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM, KPFA, kpfa.org. Shout out Joy Moore. Get out to the Joy Jam. That's uh, tomorrow. And uh, I'll post a link uh, on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. A little bit after the show tonight, I'm here at home. I got to do that on my own. And um, we got just a few more minutes left, uh, about three minutes. I see that the count on the sustainers didn't go up. Maybe that person's on the line right now. But I actually haven't had a donation in a moment. Um, If you are out there and listening, um, help me get to the $1,000 mark. Right now, we're at $250. We did get one more donation. Um, Hey, just a couple people doing uh, two, three hundred dollars. Uh, we can get me over the one thousand dollar mark, and that's what they ask of our show tonight. Um, actually, I think it's uh, somewhere around eight hundred to a thousand. Um, but that's what they ask from us, and that's what I tried to do. One eight hundred four three nine five seven three two is the phone number, and the easiest way, of course, is kpfa dot org and i got a couple other short announcements um a big shout out to the quinto collins family and uh that's the family of angelo quinto he was killed by antioch police here in antioch in december of 2020 um as their fight for justice continues um they are one step away from getting um, an important bill passed ab 360 it's on the governor's desk um if you are able to help them get the term excited delirium band you could head over to angelo uh, justice for angelo quinto on facebook or instagram and of course we'll have a link on our website kpfa apprentice after the show to help support um to urge governor newsom to sign that bill and that's my music right there. I'm just about out of time. Just a few seconds. Um, kpfa.org if you could make a donation. Um, thank you all. Big shout out to the Full Circle crew. Myself, Freewell and Franklin. And Miss M at the station operating the boards. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. Remember, uh, while you're out there, to please protect your health and also your humanity. And stay tuned to KPFA. Up next is La Onda Bajita. Bajita.